Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Please. <laughs> right. I implore you. Right. Stop your gaseous expulsions. <laughs> Take two. Welcome to this week's episode of 20 Minute Tim's Bar. Where are we going as a club? Atletico, Aberdeen, the Champions League, all on the agenda today. And to join me to discuss it, Melly. Yes. Stephen. Hello. Patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's. Let's get that out of the way straight up front. You can get extra podcasts, videos and writing from us at Patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's. There's a link in the show notes, whether you're listening or watching, check it out. We put free stuff up on there now, so you can try it before you buy it, get a flavour for our Patreon. If you want to support the podcast and get extra content, that's the place to do it. Stephen, Melly, VAR, oh. needs to go. Needs to go. We <laughs> Straight out of the traps here. Needs to go. We have little jokes in the podcast, Super Vario World. To have do the jingle? Yeah, we've got a jingle. <laughs> VAR is how we usually would do it when I'm feeling a bit of brevity about VAR. It's not the end of the jingle, is it? That's, that's the end of the jingle. It's just a short oh. one. Uh, the problem I've got with VAR is it's not what was promised to to fans and we were discussing it last week and we sort of had to be round the round the seats is it improving the game and I think everyone now can say yes it, I mean no they can, <laughs> they, <laughs> they can say no it's not improving the game I, I don't think there's any question and there's almost no one defending VAR anymore the referees don't really come out and defend it they just sort of pretend it never happened there's a there's a swell of opinion now Brendan Rogers came out saying that he thinks you should be binned and I, I agree with him between Midweek, the Maeda, which we'll always talk about in the context of the game. Uh, on Sunday, and uh, the Aberdeen game, and and the Rangers game on Saturday, just just everything about VAR is a mess now, Melly, and it's no working. It's not what was promised. If you're in the stadium, half the time you're completely in the dark about what's going on, and it's just uh, they at the very least they need to pause it, shelf it, figure out how they're going to make it better and bring it back. Yeah, I think I'm maybe one of the last to go. I'm I'm done with it as well. Absolutely done with it. It's it's sucking the enjoyment right out of football here. Then I think the tide's sort of turning on. Varpire, Varpire. I think even when like Brendan Rodgers is coming out and not even sugarcoating it, or just saying should we get rid of her? Yes, it's the tide's turning on it, isn't it? And you're just seeing games now that playing over a hundred minutes in most games and all that. It's just football's not built for this yet. Mm. It's not built for it. Something has to change here. And I found myself at the the Atletico Madrid game, the first game, when Kyogo scored that first goal. There was no hint of offside. There was nothing. But for a split second after he scored, 
I thought, is this going to count? Mm. Nothing wrong with the no. goal, nothing in it. But that's when I realised this is taken away from my enjoyment of football. There's nothing better than your team scoring a goal in a Champions League game. Yeah, I'm worrying about whether some wee specky dweeb's going to, tr- <laughs> no offence, Jamie, is going to try and rule it out. Hey, he's a, he's a, he's a sexy guy, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, dis- yeah. no disagreement there. And I just, I'm just tired of it. Like last Monday when we were recording, went home and caught the end of the Spurs uh, game and there was, what, four or five goals disallowed yeah. in that. There was all sorts of decisions. It's just getting wild. It's getting to the point now where, like we spoke, you guys were speaking about in the Atletico Madrid game, you can't make a tackle now because it might get pulled back. Everything about it is just, it's just lost. It's lost in this thing where VAR doesn't know what it's meant to be or football doesn't know what VAR's meant to be because it was meant to correct mistakes, wasn't meant to correct everything and it's just taking the life out of football for me. I'm, I'm so reluctant to jump on the just bin it bandwagon I'm so reluctant to do that because I don't want to be against what is perceived to be or what should be on the surface of things progress in the Mm -hmm. game so I don't want to immediately jump against it but that said I feel that in certain decisions now and it might seem like sour grapes we've been criticised for pulling up this the Maeda challenge that led to a red card and it subsequently led to an absolute doing for, mm. for Celtic in an Atletico game. So it's it's been levelled at us that we're basically just sore from that game, right? And, and, you know, to an extent, that's probably true. But I feel like with that now, and it's a contentious decision at best, I, I feel like we're kind of getting away from what VAR was supposed to do. I think we've kind of lost sight of what it's supposed to do because what, that ha- what happened there was the referee saw an incident made a judgment call on it at the time and then was presented by flimsy evidence to suggest that it was even worse than it was yeah. in in the full flow and at full pace in the context of the game so the referee has seen it at full speed and has deemed it to be a yellow card someone has shown him a still of it and then it looks to be a red card so i am i'm i'm very reluctant to say just get rid of var altogether because it feels just just my my natural inclination is to think that that feels a wee bit baby out with the bathwater stuff because in the game against Aberdeen we got the benefit of it we saw how it's supposed to work there was a penalty missed inexplicably by Willie Collum and then it was later given because he missed it and he waved it away immediately he started he gave the nugget up the waggy fingers everything and then it was given as a penalty so what I would prefer instead of binning it all together is some sort of adjustment to it I think you're right do we pause it just now and say what what are the parameters within which we have to work here? Offsides, okay, but there has to be a change to the rule to fit the modern era with VAR. It can't be this like measure kneecaps and t-shirt lines and all that kind of stuff because it's tedious for the fans. And ultimately, this is what the, the main crux of the issue is. It's ruining things for fans, yeah. right? So yeah. if, I would prefer a little bit of clarity on that not measuring things and bringing down that wall and maybe there's like an elbow or it's not an elbow you know what I mean yeah. but a shoulder popping through that that wall it's getting to the point you know how it's getting to the point where if a player's inhaling he might be offside but he's exhaling because <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's inhaling yeah. ready to take a breath and his lungs filled and his chest yeah. a bit broader offside but if he's exhaling and his chest has come in a <laughs> yeah, wee bit yeah. and his shoulders retracted he's onside so it's, in principle I, I am in favour of VAR but we need one that was better. an extreme example yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you, I know what you mean it's uh-huh. like it's like millimetres here and there and it becomes a tedious process where we're sitting in the stadium completely in the dark about it I know I'm speaking in broad terms about incidents that have happened across the lifespan of VAR in this country but I, I feel like we need to adjust the rules somewhat to to get, come in line with it and in the UFC there's a there's 
contentious decisions given all the time because they've stuck with uh and here comes the the boxing mm. analogy right but here's where it, where it works is ufc have got a 10 point system judging criteria that's basically just stolen from boxing but it doesn't work in that sport because there's so many other things that can that can happen mm. in it so there, there's always talk about how do we adjust the rules to what actually happens so maybe we need to do that with var i'm happy that to have it involved in offsides in penalties that are missed in we don't have goaling technology in this country yet we, we should probably get, get on with that mm. at some point <laughs> but um it's, it's not that's not really for for today but it's, it's probably ne necessary going forward but this taking yellow cards and changing them to red or vice versa is mm. is just ridiculous to be honest because it because it becomes like it's one subjective decision and then it becomes a second subjective well, decision so, that don't meet in the middle there's, so there's a couple of things that you you sort of addressed there in your points i would say the 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 occasionally get something right is a defence that I hear quite a lot about VAR, right? But if someone was to sit at the beginning of the season and go, right, VAR got that one right, okay. And now VAR can't technically get anything wrong, but so over the course of the... Right, VAR got that one right, cool. Well, Maeda, that's one for the wrong column. The Rangers penalty with the boy die for it, right? I'm not making a big deal about that, but that, that wasn't VAR checked. There was no, no there was no VAR check on that. So the VAR in the room saw that and decided that... The referee doesn't need to do it and it stands as a penalty. One in the wrong column. And I think the problem we're going to have here is if you went through the beginning of the season doing that, there'd be way more, way more people going like, what, what's going on with all that? That that doesn't make any sense. And Versus that becomes, well done. Sorry, sorry to jump in. That becomes a matter of it evens itself out over the course of a season well, or it doesn't. And that's the exact same position we were in before. before that, we is, that is exactly where I was going with yeah. this. So what we're doing now is we're saying, well, you, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, well, we did it with referees. <laughs> yeah. So, over, <laughs> yeah. so you, you, you look at it and go, Overall, is the decision making in football better? No, because no. thing because dives that are not penalties are still being given, and yellow cards that are not red cards that are not red cards are still being given. Yes, but occasionally you get one right. Okay, but we're back to square one, and we <laughs> yeah. didn't have the delays, and we didn't have the money, and we didn't have the. And then I think there's a psychological element of it where referees, if referees are refereeing the game, right, yellow card, and someone goes in his ear. You might want to take a look at that. You know, someone's going, I think you need to check that. And he has to go over to the monitor. It feels to me more often than not, Melly, when they go to the monitor, they change their mind. I, I've, yeah, never, yeah. I've never seen the ref stick with his decision. Because, because he's told by some guy in a room, by the way, the cameras have just picked up what I think is an error. So he, for some reason, he feels the need to back it up. But when he goes over to the monitor, like in the Real Atletico Madrid game, Melly, and you're seeing he's rewinding the impact and he's getting slow motion and... That's not how they felt. You're you're removing context yeah. from the incident in order to come to the decision. They shouldn't be allowed to see every single foul in slow motion and pause it and all that because it's an, it's an inexact game. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, you should be able to watch it a couple of times from a couple of different angles and go, do you know what? I, my angle wasn't the best. I, my pitch position wasn't the best. It happened just out my line and I didn't get a chance to turn my head and look at it. But the slowing down, changing the angle freeze framing it just it, it, that's not what fans were promised no and I think with stuff like that like the Maeda one the referee I, I was just praying like just go over and say no I got that one right I got that one right I seen it right in front of me and I thought it was a yellow card but mm. then again when you see the flip side of it like we were talking about last week uh, the Ross County game where the referee watches himself watching it and goes oh I did miss that that I seen yeah. a, a minute ago so it does work in that way but it's just, it's gone, it's so far removed from what it was meant to be. We, were, we are years into this now in the Premier League and it seems to be getting worse down there. And 
over here we knew it was going to be a disaster because the referees are disastrous and the guys who are <laughs> yeah. going to be yeah. using VAR are disastrous. But there was in the Man City Chelsea game yesterday for ha one of Haaland's goals where he sort of slides into the ball right on the line. They were slowing that down and going, oh, look at this bit. At this point, Haaland's so intelligent because he lifts his arm up because if that touches his arm at all, then it might be varred off. That's not what this is for. No. You're, you're talking about a guy sliding in, trying to put a ball into the net. He is not thinking about, if I lift my arm at this exact <laughs> no. point, it won't be. That doesn't come into it yet. We're scrutinising all these things and saying, is that that? Is that that? And if you're saying there's a psychological element to it, and there is where the Maeda one where the referee's told, look, you've missed this, come and see it, when he's fought in real time, yellow card, decision made, let's get on with the game. But the McCausland one for Rangers, they're looking at that, slowing that down, thinking, oh, is that a touch there? That's a touch there. So that that's okay for the referee to give that there. When it's a dive for everyone to see. So well, the, the, so you take the McCausland one, and I don't care if it's Rangers or anyone else, right? Because this is the problem of VAR. You need to dive into the rule book. So I've got the SFA's document when they first launched VAR. There's two kinds of review. Anything subjective or a matter of opinion will be referred to the referee for final decision, right? So... In my opinion, that there's a subjective matter of opinion on whether or not that boy dived, but they, but for some reason they just decided not to yeah. not to send it to the referee. VAR can intervene on penalty instance. They they didn't bother sending it to the referee, and it's this whole confusion from the off, particularly in Scotland. But from the off, football has made a, a, a horlicks of communicating this to fans, properly informing fans. They had an open day for clubs and some press guys. Didn't they invite us, not out of importance, but we are. Fans listen to us, they didn't bother bringing us up to the SFA to get the message out how it worked. Then when it first kicked off, you had this madness well, with, the, a, the with first, the handball. The first game oh, against yeah, yeah. Hearts. Nah. The, the handball madness. That was months of the handball stuff. Huh? And uh, that just built up to a point where the SFA had to change what they were doing because they think this is genuinely crazy what we're doing here with these handballs. So it, it, things can change. And I know what you're saying, Stephen, whereas in a lot of people in the Discord, which is a, a Patreon benefit, a lot of people in the Discord are saying, well, there's a bit of a sunk cost fallacy. We've put money into it now, right? That, yes, we are living with Arn. Yes, we've spent the money on it. But one, foot, things foot and change in football all the time. Golden goal came and went. Silver goal came and went. The Americans used to do this mad run-up penalty from the oh, halfway yeah. line. <laughs> where they, that that <laughs> came and went. Anything else? Is there any other things in football that have came and went? Well, Daylight and offside has yeah, come and gone. Wins in the Champions now. League. <laughs> Wins in the Champions League have came and went. Five subs. They tried concussion subs. They never brought that. Like So things in football change all the time, right? So we're living with our just now. It doesn't mean it's going to be here forever. You could quite easily bin it tomorrow. But it should be here forever, shouldn't it? It should be there nah. to make things better. But it's not. That's the point. Nah, forget about it. I'm done. With it. The second thing is Scotland's VAR is like one sixteenth of what they've got in England. Yep. So we're we're kind of half arsing it anyway. So that last week, isn't it? Yeah, we're we're dealing with diet VAR here, and it's we don't have the angles for it for a start. I know this the the incident that has triggered this conversation happened in the Champions League, of course, mm. but that's that that's by that's besides the point because we were talking about it last week as well because at Ross County with like a 45 degree angle of what's supposed to be a straight line yeah. across the pitch showing an offside so it, it does apply so Scotland are in the benefit or the beneficial position rather of being able to be the first ones in, in, in world football to go do you know what we're going to pause VAR we're going to review it over the international break or the Christmas period we're going to we're just going to can it and have a look at it 
because we didn't spend that much money on it anyway. <laughs> imagine Scotland are the first people who say, no, this isn't the world growing up because it's like, it's like, imagine the beaks, the beaks of VAR out there saying, so like, what version have they got of it? Oh, the, the Scottish version, pff, as if they're going to have any influence on it. It's the first, we could be the first country to do actually do something right. We could, be, we could <laughs> yeah. actually lead the way in some sort of way. <laughs> the more you speak about this and say this, you're relying on the SFA here. It's madness. It's never going to happen, <laughs> is it? They will be the last to get rid of our affairs taken down. But it's, it is, the whole point of it is it's meant to make football better. It's not. It's making it worse. It's sucking the enjoyment out of it. Like you say, when you're at the game, you're the last to know what's happening. There is minutes and minutes of waiting about at games. Games are finishing later and all that. There's more injuries in football because players are standing about longer. Honestly, it's just crap. How many times I've been at Celtic Park and the boos ring out because these decisions are taking so long. Most of them aren't even difficult but decisions. But there are bigger and more expensive leagues in Scotland that don't use VAR. They don't use the English Championship. No, no, that's true. Yeah. And there's much more much more at stake in the English Championship than you've got at the Aye. SPFL where, where the majority of the teams can't even drum up a positive goal difference. Aye, the richest game in the world down there, the playoff final and all Doesn't that. Doesn't use VAR. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but you've touched, maybe we could just use that money spend on goal line technology. Aye, but Something that's, else. That, that's a must anyway. But see fundamentally what we're talking about here, but making the game better via VAR, that is true but you could fight back against that and say well no it's not really it's there to get decisions right it doesn't really matter about the fans enjoyment but even at that it's failing so yeah. it, it, on, a, on a very basic level it's there to remove contention re there to remove controversy from decisions it's out of the referee's hands if he misses something on the pitch doesn't matter because mm. the VAR will cover it but that's not happening either if anything we're talking we're arguing more about it Go online and see any decision that's made via VAR and see if we've completely eliminated controversy from decision-making in this country. It's complete nonsense. Because we would... Things things would happen in football we go, right, when VAR comes in next season, we're going to be in the beneficial position of having the referee be able to make a look at, take a look at that and, and make the right decision. And that's that's what was sold as VAR. Video assistant ref, there's going to be people monitoring cameras, multiple cameras all over the ground, and if anything goes on, they can alert the ref and he can make the right decision. It's simply failing. And don't get me started in the offside. I don't... I, you know how that old joke how we and ask a woman what the offside rule is? <laughs> Go and ask somebody yeah. what the offside rule is now because I, I was I was under the impression up until very recently that the, the attacking phase of play had to go on for offside. But there's a few different ways that they, you know, they judge offsides now. But players are still, to me getting a ball played through and, and it's been flagged for offside I don't I don't realise I don't understand why sometimes you let that go and var it and why it's va why it's flagged at the time I've got a laptop on my leg I could probably google it while you're talking <laughs> quite literally on your lap but where you know it what, I'm taking that I'm taking that sort of aloof position of if it's not immediately obvious to me you've failed mm, yeah and that that's the whole problem are we getting to the point now where you'd be as well having the VAR referee be the referee and the guy on the pitch is just they sort of see the game as Dead it goes. Again, the way the ball and stuff Aye, like that. Yeah. Like they do yeah. anyway in Scotland, <laughs> but it, it's getting tedious now, very tedious, where every game you watch, every decision that's made, you're, you've got that wee thought in your head, is this something going to happen here? Is something going to happen? Like the Lewis Palmer goal against Lazio, in no way did you think that was offside at all. It yet. didn't affect him psychologically, did it? He no, wasn't waiting for celebration. He was on celebration, celebration four by the time it got cut <laughs> off. So uh, it's it's not worked so far. We knew it wouldn't work in Scotland, but it's not just Scotland that's struggling with this. It's all over. And it's not as if 
it's a new thing. It's been in for years now and it seems to be we've just lost the whole concept of why it was brought in. It was brought in to fix things, but it's just went far too far. As I said at the start of this, my preference would not be to just tear it up and get rid of it. As much as I'm complaining about it, and I think to to an extent it has been a bit of a disaster in this country. You know, People might disagree with that, but I'd, I'd, I'd question that, to be honest. I, I would prefer to have some sort of adjustment to it that fits in with rules. If Whether it needs to have clearer definitions as to what it gets involved in rather than just this kind of arbitrary, clear, you know, clear and obvious mistake. Again, that's fairly subjective as well. Who des- who's deciding whether it's yeah. clear and obvious? I've got the, here's but, a document here. Only in specific circumstances when the VAR thinks the on-field referee team has made a clear and obvious error or missed a serious incident relating to st- straight red cards, penalty area incidents or goals. VAR will automatically be checking these things so players and coaches don't need to ask for an intervention. VAR will also intervene in cases of mistaken identity. I've never seen that really with VAR when the wrong player has been shown a, a red card or yellow card. So mm. it's this clear and obvious thing that... that because the Kyogo header, the, or the header into Kyogo, which knocked him clean out, that wasn't VAR. So that was that was no. judged as a yellow card tackle, which I think it was a red card. But it wasn't even clear or obvious. There was no question that he should he should review that. Which no. was odd to me. Well, look, there is that. If we're going to be talking about that, that's a, a major decision that has been made this week. And again, a, a bone of major contention online. People can't agree on it at all. And it, you know, VAR hasn't cleared it up. VAR didn't get involved at all. Things that aren't a thing, <laughs> things that aren't a thing in this debate, right? Whether you think it's a red card or a yellow card, won the ball isn't a thing, doesn't count. That's not how the rule is applied. You can't just do whatever you like in the process of winning the ball. You can't headbutt someone in order to get the ball. It's a contact sport. Also not a thing. No. Contact does not extend to headbutting someone, cleaning the temple and knocking them clean out. He was he was out he was he was knocked out before he hit the ground. Yeah, yeah he didn't put it, his hands down. He yeah. didn't and as soon as it happened in real time you could see it. So why to me the referee didn't think, right, well he's limp as he hits the ground here yeah. and Matt O'Reilly you can see Matt O'Reilly's reaction panicked when he went over to Kyogo and the, the Aberdeen defenders rolling about with you know kidding on his injury uh, he went down slightly yeah. later yeah look not every head clash is a foul not every, it, sometimes it just happens right but it's it's this um, reckless endangerment of, of players that I think fully needs applied there if that happens on the ground see if someone does a slight tackle I know people will be saying oh you can't compare the things but it for some reason, when headers are involved and when goalkeepers are involved, it fries people's brains and they just can't process logic. So if that happens on the ground and you slide, you just about take the ball and go through someone's shin in the process, it's a red card. So why it's different if you use your head to do that, I've absolutely no idea. But for some reason, I remember having the debate ages ago. Remember that time, was it against the Dundee United or something? Was it Stephen Fletcher, I think it was, a season or so ago against Joe Hart? Yeah, he came in. The ball bounced in front of Joe Hart and he claimed it he, 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 Joe Hart claimed it and Stephen Fletcher fully studded Joe Hart in the head I burst his skull yeah yeah so he split him open on the pitch and everyone's saying entitled to go for it yes right entitled to go for it just as Rubicic uh, was entitled to go for that ball but being entitled to go for the ball being entitled to challenge for the ball does not absolve you of the consequences of what you did on the pitch in the process of trying to go for that ball you can't stud someone in the head on the pitch and you can't headbutt someone in the temple trying to get the ball it's it's, it's excessive force here's why I bring it up because in the same sport refereed in the same way the the Maeda is a red card and that's a yellow (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and so Maeda, for kicking somebody for, for two feet clashing yeah, on the pitch, yeah, two feet clashing on the pitch. VAR looks at it, decides it's it's to be upgraded to red. 
Kyogo gets smashed out cold by a really reckless header. The guy knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. See, when you watch the replay, he's not even in shot by the time Kyogo's got his head preparing to shape up. And this guy comes right through the back of him, head first, smashes, cleans Kyogo out. And just because he may or may not have got the ball, as Steven says, doesn't make it okay. In the same world, refereed the same way, to the same rules, VAR says one's a red card, and VAR says one isn't even worth looking at the yellow stands. No, and the big, like the... All the reasoning for the Aberdeen one, you can say, look, he has to go for the ball. His manager would be furious if he didn't go for the ball. I'm not disputing the fact that he can go for the ball there. My big thing is, if that was 10 minutes later and O was on the pitch, does he go through O with the same aggression that he does to Kyogo? Not a chance. Mm. It's because of the size and stature of Kyogo. He's going, I'm leaving one in here and I'm going through this guy. It was so aggressive. It was wild. There was... No control to it, and he didn't. He didn't care what he done to the guy for me. So I thought it was wild to see him go down like it's horrible in a sport, and it's just it's unnecessary. Yeah. Go and challenge for the ball. You do not need to go through it with that much force. But Aberdeen, that was about the only force they used all day. To be fair. <laughs> so the just a, a bit of housekeeping here, just before we finish up on VAR, and I think we're all in agreement. Well. Me, you're in agreement that needs to go. Stephen, you are clinging on by an absolute thread. Here. I was like, I, it should work, but it's not. So let's yeah. let's but do it's as simple as that. It. it should work, and it's not. There's a the SFA put out their, their guidelines. The the offside thing. I had a wee look while you two were chatting away. If it's not an obvious offside, then the linesman's instruction is to let it play out, and then the VAR will have a look at it. So if it's a close call offside, the linesman's supposed to leave it. So the linesman's got final call on offside. So if he blows, then it doesn't even get VAR. Second of all, that I just want to finish on this with Varn and let me see if you think that this is a this is at all accurate. This is FA's, SFA's own document at the time. Question, will there be lots of delays? We will endeavour to keep delays through VAR to a minimum. However, the task of VAR is to check incidents quickly and thoroughly. In complex situations, this may lead to a delay in play. There's no <laughs> denying here that there's masses of delays with yeah. VAR at all times. Yeah. And, and that's just another reason... If you're a spe- if there's a spectator sport, especially if you're in the ground, and to me, people watching the ground are supposed to be the most important people there watching it. It's not really for the TV punters, it's for the people in the ground. You're completely in the dark. It's it's done. It's finished. It's toast. As far as I'm concerned, we need to come up with another solution. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And on that, um, <laughs> we've got a couple of 6 nils to talk about. Um, it's over neutral for the week, I mean. Yeah. The last 6-0, 1-6-0, nil, nil, call it a draw. That's that bit dealt what with. What one do you want to talk about first? Well, um, Aberdeen. Let's please. do the Aberdeen one. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, start with, we'll start with dessert. Um, <laughs> for a couple of weeks, many people have been saying that Celtic are due to smash a team. We want to see a team get smashed. That was something that was held over Brendan Rodgers, sort of, ah, they've been good, ah, they're starting to come together, they're, they're playing okay, blah, 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 but we need to smash somebody. We smashed somebody. Oh, lovely to see. And Stephen called for it before the game, a sort of statement win, and it kind of didn't play out like that, did it? No. Celtic where got the early goal and were decent in the game, never, ever looked like conceding a goal. Oh, even- but what about that? Howitzer from wide on the left from Johnny Hayes when he smashed it towards goal and went about five yards wide. Glad you brought it up, Stephen. <laughs> 
I did not flinch when he <laughs> went through. Did not flinch. Not a trouble, not, you know? Not a trouble that that was going on target or anything. Honking from him as usual. But with Celtic, they played well, got the early goals and seemed to just control the game. But I, I want to praise Celtic for getting a 6-0 victory, but... Aberdeen was so bad. It was unbelievable. Well, yeah. Absolutely you can still pithy. Celtic. I'll tell you how you can praise Celtic because we didn't have to go and smash them sick. No, no. The game was won, but Celtic obviously felt they had a point to prove. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's loads of good stuff about Celtic's play. Like Lewis Palmer, absolutely brilliant. Yang coming onto a game and really taking part. Matt O'Reilly was great again. And all coming on and getting a couple of goals. Even Tumble coming on, I thought Iwata was good when he came on. We've seen substitutes make, make a difference for Celtic. But Aberdeen, man, just, I loved Barry Robson at Celtic, but mm. end this nonsense. Same with you, Hearts, end this nonsense. There is no sense in keeping these guys on. It is not working. It is failed experiment. Aberdeen will do the usual Scottish football thing of saying, oh, he's got us to a cup final. We'll give him the cup final. Remember we done it with Lennon? or let him win his treble mm. and that. Nonsense. It's not working. <laughs> Get them out. So that's VAR and Robson killed yeah. off so far. We, as a podcast, Stephen and I, Brendan Rogers, according to his post-match, sort of laid the gauntlet down to some of these fringe players to sort of start getting starts. He said that about home. He said, you know, home's done well. He's come in. He, Brendan Rogers actually said, I've got no doubt that home will end up being a quality player for Celtic. He's got good technique. He needs to build up his upper body. And that's what he said. Brendan right, Rogers yeah. wants. He goes, but crucially, I need him to start games. He said about Yang, he goes, he's been good, but sometimes he takes that extra touch. We, we need to have him a bit, a bit more ruthless. And he said about Palmer, he needs to mix up his game a wee bit. He was coming inside too much. I want him to go to the byline. Do you think we saw all those things from all those players? Uh, to a lesser extent, probably with home. I think mm. starting with home there, I think he was the least impressive of... A disappointing. Yeah, he was the least impressive of the, the fringe players who got a, a game. But that doesn't mean to say he was bad. I no. think he was, he, he was decent. Lovely touches. He's very skillful. I can see see what it is that appeals to mm. Brendan Rodgers and, and he's hoping to get him involved more maybe unlucky not to score probably should have done better with it that was another setup from Palmer I yeah. think it was yeah Palmer could have had another bit, assist man. yeah what, what game Palmer had more on that in a second but it's, I, I'm sorry home was was just okay I think it was mm. a decent enough for his first league start I think I think he was alright uh, but the but Yang really impressed me. I, I know he's he's got l some rough edges, some stuff to work on as a as a winger. Um, I, what I, I, for anyone who hasn't heard it, Mel and I record a little bit pre-match before we go into the game, and it forms part of the at the match podcast. And I I said literally that I said, are we ever going to see anything where he pops up in the right positions? Mm -hmm. Is he ever going to pop up in a dangerous position? That a bad thing where he can drift in at the back post, completely lose his defender, and maybe finish something off. And within a few minutes he'd basically answered that question so I can't I really can't grumble with that he's got stuff to work on but he's he's been reasonably impressive but Lewis Palmer goodness me mm -hmm. uh, uh, a real swaggering performance mm -hmm. from Palmer he's been growing in confidence recently getting goals now getting assists I think that was three three the in the assist, game yep. and, and a penalty we all wanted them Thank to take God, man, we all wanted them on the penalties and seeing see he was doing the run up oh. I was like please <laughs> I beg you please one. I have seen uh, too much yeah but but that was that was excellent I mean that was we we talk about you know is he ever going to be able to sort of take control of a game in the way Jota could or maybe others um, mm. you know, unfavourable comparisons being made to like Scott Sinclair and he's and definitely Jota scoring against Rangers isn't he yeah, oh, yeah without, without <laughs> a doubt and he's definitely scoring from a corner at some point <laughs> this season as well but he uh, he was brilliant and that pass for O's first goal the header absolutely perfect he could watch that all day just one of those passes see if that was done in a maybe more 
prestigious league than in Scotland. I think he meant it because oh, you're talking oh, about oh, I thought the, yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought you were talking about Yang's. No, no, because Yang didn't have to. He didn't have to move. He just had to turn his head that, towards that, the goal. That was the first one where he clipped it right across, yeah. and, and Yang didn't even have to to jump to just head it in. But O's first goal with the, the head of the outside of yeah. the boot just curled it in right in between the goalkeeper and the defence, and O just had to nod it in. A beautiful cross, and he's he's starting to put that together. He always looked dangerous from shooting and he, there's still a little bit of that where he looks like he'll shoot from anywhere. Now, there was a goal against Celtic in the same week for Atletico Madrid when Lino came in inside Johnston and just bent it around Joe Hart. Absolutely no chance. He likes shots from that range. He had a couple before that he'd set up anything. So he looks as if he's always dangerous. But I wondered if he's going to... Is that is the trade-off here that he's going to get goals, but he might not necessarily create them? Again, question answered for me. I mean, Brendan's obviously got that in mind when he says he wants him to mix up his game a wee bit, maybe go to the byline, maybe get bit, a bit better with the crossing, not coming in and shooting, but he's he's a threat. He is, and this is sort of what Brendan Rodgers spoke about in his first spell at Celtic, and I think he's spoke about it earlier this season where players maybe, I think it was Hitati he was talking about, look, if he makes an assist, that's great, but he needs to dominate games he needs to take it to the next level and I think that's what he's done with Palmer he's sort of drip fed him into the starting lineup. we were all screaming for him to start he didn't start at Ibrox didn't yeah. he we were all confused by that yeah then he comes in and you look like this guy's got something but he's not starting every game then he starts and he gets a goal or he gets an assist but now he's going maybe he's a 90 minute player now or however long he was on the pitch for at the weekend because you need to in Scotland I think it's very easy to get to a certain level and then go, this is a bit easy mm. for me and then tail off. With Brendan Rodgers, he's looking, Andrew Postacolo done it as well, he's looking for guys to push on, push on beyond that and do more. And that's how you get better in Europe because if you watch the Atletico Madrid game to this game, Palmer, it was two sides of the coin, wasn't it? He was just looked a duck out of water, didn't he? There, a duck out of water, a fish out of water. Oh, I was Ducks are perfectly Ducks, <laughs> famously birds, and are, and are equally adept in the air and in water. It looks like a duck out of water. So eh? the opposite of that, fish out of water. It was it was really poor in the Atletico game, but he obviously they were there sending off. He had to go up front, but he just. Scotland is a lot easier. He's got time on the ball. He's got the technique. Whereas in Europe, bang, he's getting somebody will take the ball off him. So pleased for him. Looking like a right good player in Scotland. We need to see him have that European uh, sort of display now. He's had goals, but I want a full performance from him in Europe. If you want dedicated podcasts for each match, patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims. That's where we do that. At match reaction podcast for every single Celtic game. We dedicate a whole podcast to it. Um, Yang was, was my guy. And then he wasn't my guy. And then I'd sort of said to him, you know, see, ever since I had that rant about you're never going to make it a Celtic kid uh, about a lot of the players, a lot of them are, you know, they yeah, made me yeah. look, they made me look a bit dumb. Yang, <laughs> I, I thought Yang perished. I thought I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> not on my watch. Uh, I, I thought Yang was brilliant. Yeah, yeah especially in the first half, Aye. it was a, a, it's exciting. Yeah, contender to be man of the match had he kept up that performance into mm. the second half, but Palmer took over by that point. And it, it, in some ways, it was kind of a funny game because. It was a total canter. Celtic no. absolutely strolled it. And as you mentioned before, Melly, Aberdeen were absolutely atrocious, right? And the worst I've seen them in years, to be perfectly frank. But it was a, it was a weird game in that at 2-0, it's 75 minutes. That's, that was before I got the penalty. But 75 minutes, 15 minutes to go. It didn't feel like that was going to happen. Nothing so, had happened. No, no, no. The second half was just a bit of a... It felt routine 
So there was a few shouts round about us for, oh, come on Celtic, we need a third one, just put this game to bed and we'll all, you know, we'll all go home happy. They weren't literally saying this, but I got <laughs> the vibe from people who were calling for a third goal. <laughs> so the people were saying, like, we need a third one. And it kind of felt like it probably would come, but it, for Celtic to score three goals, a penalty and then three goals in injury time, was in part hopefully showing some of the ruthlessness that was displayed against us on just three or four days prior to that, and uh, also as a result of Aberdeen completely and utterly capitulating. But all Celtic can do is absolutely batter what's in front of them, and they, oh. they went out and did it. And you know you can't take back the Atletico game, and it leaves us in a bit of a pickle when it comes to the mm. Champions League. But all they can do is make a statement that you know this league, this league is in our hands, and we're going to we're going to but drive there's, towards there's, it. I mean, there's there's stuff like goal difference. Rangers are oh, starting yeah, to yeah. nibble into that a wee bit. We really extended our goal difference. I think. It showed great mentality, as you say, coming back off the back of the flight. Well, that could have been a horrible tie for us. That Aberdeen could have been a really tricky tie. And to show that that hunger to keep going and right, what, what sort of like a really self assured, self confident performance in Celtic, as you said, that it would have been easy to, you know, take the foot off the gas a wee bit, but they had no intention of doing that. And again, I'm just pleased for some of the guys that haven't played much. To show up, oh, there's another one, Melly. I mean, he's starting to look more and more dangerous now. Yeah, but after he got that goal, it just looks like he's in the positions now. He's always been in the positions, but now it just looks like he'll go in for him. And he's always there or thereabouts. And that's what I like about him. That's why I think, look, he'll get goals at Celtic. Whether he's a good Celtic player long term, possibly, is he ever going to be a starting striker for Celtic? Pfft. Unless Celtic do the usual thing and sell all their players and don't replace them, then mm. I don't think he ever will be. But that doesn't mean he's going to be a good, effective player for Celtic. And it wasn't just, oh, it was. I was quite happy for guys like Johnston and Taylor, who I thought were really, really poor during the week. They came in, back in, could have easily just got themselves through the game, but they didn't. They all were. Johnston needs on. to release the ball quicker. I'm just going to put, I'm just saying that. I know. I don't know if he watches, I don't know if he watches, JJ, but too ponderous seeing that some of the build up I think from Celtic if I was being overly critical in that game was very very slow but Johnson in particular seems to take too many touches I like him but just, just speed up a wee bit shut him up yeah he's not the only one to be fair I think uh, Scales Taylor and Johnson could all play the ball quicker for yeah. Celtic I think uh, Liam Scales I'm kind of I like the guy I think he's been doing well but I think after this Champions League it might be time if Nowrotsky's fit just to get him in. I think he's going to be hopefully a better player than Scales, but it's just the Atletico Madrid game showed up his deficiencies and look, he is playing against a top-class team. We are 10 men, but we need better on the ball. We need better on the Greg Taylor. We want him replaced as well. Somebody better. AJ, there's starting the rumours, well, murmurs of, well, was Juranovic a better player than him? So you're looking at positions for Celtic where we can improve and do better. And if these guys want to stay in the team, that's what Brendan Rodgers will be looking at. Yes, it was a 6-0 victory, but there's still bits between that. If it was another game, like we've seen so many games this season, not so many, but there's been a lot of games where Celtic have been accused of being passive or too long on the ball. It's usually the defenders that are doing that, so I want to see a bit more from them. But 6-0 and I'm still grumbling. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm trying to stop you. I was trying to feed you little morsels of positivity. I think Brendan Rodgers, Stephen, is doing a good job of getting... Um, to use an awful football cliche minutes in the legs of this bloated squad <laughs> yeah. he's got he's he's, yeah. he's not in a position that we maybe could have accused Anjat where he's got clear favourites and if you don't start then you're not really playing whereas Brendan Rodgers seems um, and this is something he actually highlighted it with, with home pre-match on the radio he says look I want home to develop I think he's going to be a good player but he, we need to get him starting games in order to do that so Brendan obviously recognises the need 
to get first team experience in a lot of these players and he's trying to give them it. Yeah, and this is why I, I reject any of the it's inevitable when Celtic's results aren't the best and their performances aren't the best that they you start to hear whispers of is he doing this to send a message to the board? Are these lineups a message to the mm-hmm. board? Is he saying, well, look what I've got to work with? I, I reject any of that. I was know getting it, cuffed 6-0 uh, yeah. and there's a message to the board. <laughs> I, I did see no. that, by the way, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, no, I reject that. Should be. It's, a, it's, a, it's an understandable angle to take because a lot of people aren't happy with the standard of the squad and we've spoken about it so much over the last few weeks, right? But this is why I, I reject that from Brendan Rodgers because Brendan Rodgers is a manager who has a proven track record of getting the most out of players at his disposal. That's why he was brought back to the club, not because he was some big name just for the sake of it, may as well throw a load of money at this guy and bring him in. His track record is of making younger players better. Now, I, I still maintain that the squad's management from the board hasn't been anywhere near good enough. The recruitment hasn't been anywhere near good enough. But Brendan Rodgers is far more likely, in my view, from afar here, is far more likely to try and get the most out of what he's been given rather than chuck a load of players mm. that he thinks are rubbish and just to prove a point to the board. I think that would be a, a futile endeavour because he's playing with his own job at that point. I think that would be that would be crazy. So he's not shy. He's not, he's, not, exactly. he's not shy when it comes to Far things like this. Far easier ways to do it than yeah. to pick a, before. pick a mediocre team and think, well, I, I'm just come out and this say game. it like of, he did before. Of then. course he would. And he's, he's, been, he's not been shy about complaining about anything this season, really. He's, he's already spoken about the... Quality. Yeah, quality. So he's not shy at all. I don't think he's making any kind of weird sort of cryptic moves to undermine the board or anything like that. So I think him now using the, the fringe players and getting some contributions out of them is very encouraging whether he can bring them up to a ceiling that's going to be acceptable going forward who knows but it, he's getting results with these players at his disposal just now so I, I can't complain on that and that's, that's what he's good at that's his job and it's what he's always done I think we did. Um, look, <sighs> we, we're not going to we're not going to go over the game goal by goal and make the listener and watcher sit through that all over again. No, but I think after the Atletico Madrid game, there was a real where are we going as a club? Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because we have acquitted ourselves fairly well at points in the Champions League, um, but it's not really adding up to an awful lot and. It's a good time when you get cuffed like that to maybe pause and have a wee bit of a review to see how did this situation end up happening. Now, a huge part of that for me is bad day at the office, and I'm prepared to write a lot of that off as a bad day at the office. Early goal, nightmare one, dodgy red card, nightmare two, goal right before half time, <laughs> yeah, nightmare three playing one of the best teams in the tournament with some of the best players in the world who are are, not there to show you mercy. Their modus operandi is to get as many goals past you as you can. See when you go in 3-0 down at half time and only 10 men, they're not going, all right, take the foot off the gas, we can relax. No, no, they're in there going, can we take 10 off this lot? Let's see how much punishment we can inflict. So there's an element of that. But I don't think there's any doubt that you sort of have to look and go, right, what what is this club? What is Celtic at the moment in the Champions League? Why do we have this cycle of Champions League gets chewed up, spat out, collect the money, that money then lets us dominate in Scotland, Champions League chewed up, spat out, dominate in Scotland, and this could be a whole other podcast itself, because yeah. there's things to take into consideration, like the quality of the opposition in the league, and that whether or not Celtic and other clubs have heard murmurs should be doing more to help these teams, I've got my thoughts on it and all that sort of stuff. But purely looking at Celtic as as a as a whole other whole thing on their own looking at Celtic, 
you've got to really wonder where we're going and there's like, you know, I think there's an obsession with continuity at Celtic that sees players like Mikey Johnson get new contracts, players like James Forrest get new contracts, players like talk about trying to give David Turnbull a new contract. Guys, it shouldn't really be about the club. We know Celtic love to keep guys on for far too long. So there's a, there's an obsession with continuity. That looks like Peter Lowell's son coming in getting the job that looks like Peter Lowell coming back as chairman that looks like the new chief executive being a guy that's been there the whole time it's just a closed shop of ideas and continuity and everything we do is great because we keep dominating Scotland keep getting in the Champions League but there, there's got there's got to be more there's got to be more for Celtic and we want to see Celtic compete on some European level and to do that you need to, there needs to be a change I think in some way along the line oh there does there does and look this that was as demoralising as it gets. I was ill as shit watching that <laughs> game, right. and that did not make me feel better. And that's the closest I've been, probably ever. Well, the COVID season apart, just just I'm turning this off because I know how it ends. Mm. It's going to be really, really bad. And look, Atletico Madrid were really good. The a few of the goals were absolutely outstanding goals. But at the same time, I'm looking at Celtic and going. What are we doing here? Mm. What are we doing? We finished the game with home, Awata and Turnbull in midfield and Yang and O up front. I wouldn't I wouldn't be confident that those five players would win a game in Scotland. Now, we've just said some of them have done well individually, but going into the Champions League, that's not good enough. And when you're looking even even with the team that started that game, it's as good as it gets for Celtic right now, apart from Hitati. But you're looking across that team, Joe Hart can be we can get a better goalkeeper, we can get a better left-back, we can get a better centre-half, we can also look into midfield. Are our options good enough if one of our midfielders is out? Hatati's out, do we have any creativity in there? No. Maeda does a job in Europe, but do you need something better? Even Palmer, is he anywhere near Jota's level for this? And you're looking at it going, Celtic didn't improve, didn't do anything, we don't have options on the bench. We went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them a couple of weeks ago and done well, but... We're soft, we're soft in Europe, we're giving away terrible goals and we just completely collapsed and it does make you question, like, what does this team want? Because we seem to do this in Europe, Celtic haven't, Angie's first season we got into the Europa Conference League, but Celtic go out of Europe and we don't have European football after Christmas for a long, a good few years now. Definitely Europa Conference, but not the Europa League in Angie's first season. We were in the Europa League and we dropped oh, to the yes. conference yeah, and right. uh, Bodo Glimpse, Skulders and that, right, so... Yeah. Even even that that's that's a decent team you're going up against. Absolutely shredded us, didn't they? And you can maybe say it was Andrew's first season. It was fair enough, but with this, it's it's just it's not it's not a manager's fault. This isn't Brendan Rodgers' fault. This isn't Ange Postecoglou's fault. This is a Celtic problem. Yeah. It's a Celtic problem that keeps on happening. We see it all the time. I'm tired of going into Europe, getting myself up for it, and then getting a pasting, and then by the time we come round to April, May, and Celtic win the trophies and going, this is brilliant. We need to be doing better here. Rangers, as a loathed of them to give them any credit, got to a Europa League final. They, while they might have flipped it in some in some ways, they beat Leipzig, they beat Dortmund along the way, they beat good teams. Have they made two, have they made two finals in 15 years? Yeah, yeah. Which is not it, an awful lot in the grand scheme of things, but it's a hell of a lot better than we've done. I know, and it's not impossible. It's not impossible, but it's also possible to win games in this tournament. But I'm sick and tired of saying we are two or three players away from this. Sick and tired of saying two or three players away from it. We were one more goal away from me going... Here, we let in a goal for every £10 million we have in the bank. <laughs> that, that, what, is the, what is the point of this, man? Wow. Go, out, go out and get the players Celtic require for this. You've got good players there, but it's 
four or five players does not make you a Champions League team. We've got a good manager. We had a great manager in Ange Postacoglu. Didn't quite give him the resources. We've got a good, probably great manager in Brendan Rodgers. And they're doing this with hands tied behind their back. It's there's, pointless. There's Celtic are in a difficult position, right? They, they get into the Champions League but they kind of just capitulate it now every season because they're not prepared to put in the investment required for that tournament. And what I mean by that is, I'm not saying Celtic obviously can't go out and spend £40 million on a, on a, or a world-class striker, a world-class midfielder. There's no amount of huge amount of capital that Celtic has spent to make a huge dent in that tournament. But you need to, you need to have a bit of... You need to show us that you're, you're at least trying. Now, if you look, we're not going to go through all the players that signed at the transfer window, but they were all kind of the same. You know, if you wanted to pot, I think Steve McGivern did a good job of of of, of like categorising. They were all like between what eighteen and twenty three, all under four million quid, all played in some sort of a second tier kind of league, and all had a t- a bit of international recognition at, at whatever level they played in. So that that kind of groups it. But there are other types of player you can sign. Yeah. Well, look, w- w- look, w- look at Angie's first season. Yeah. If you go by that, we don't sign Kyogo, Jakimakis, Starfelt, Juranovic, Precisely, Matt O'Reilly, sat, Carter John. Vickers, Jota. But, sorry to jump in there, yeah. but the problem with this is it, it requires all sorts of players and all those guys that came in for Celtic have all either been good players and are still there or are good players and Celtic have made profit, even if it's marginal profit on them. Starfelt was a good player and made profit on him. Juranovic was a really good player. Celtic needed him, sold him on for better. Why just bin that all of a sudden well, and bring it. in these guys? Because there's there's other players you can sign. You can sign our, we've distinct I distinctly remember us in this podcast sitting here going, This is the first time Celtic have signed like 25 and 26 year olds in such a long time. You can sign those sorts of players. You can go out, and one thing I think this Celtic team is crying out for is a bit of experience in there. The the players, the thirty year old European level midfielders coming to maybe the, the tail end of their career, do they not exist anymore, or do we just not do we just not look to bring them in, or, or are they completely out of our reach? Because there's a there's a proven history of those types of players absolutely scushing it against yes. Celtic as well even as recently as Copenhagen they had that boy Zeka who mm. absolutely strolled it against Celtic a few years ago and three of our most significant signings in recent years are Odson Edward, Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers three of the biggest signings mm. we've made what they all have in common is that they were all on loan from fairly major clubs and they weren't getting a game there so we kind of seem to have abandoned that strategy as well I don't I can't really identify anyone in the squad who's currently in that bracket Bernardo I suppose and it's, kind of falls into that it's no really bad luck Celtic are not oh we missed out in this play we just weren't in for any of these sorts of guys no. and the real questions need to be asked about who is in charge of the transfer activity and where you're trying to take this as a club? That's yeah. the over. What? Where are we going as a club here? Are we, That's my major issue. Are, yeah. we, are we just trying to continue to do what we always did? Give James Forrest a contract, or Peter Law's leaving? Or actually, we'll get him back in a couple of months, or get his son in to do the transfers. Or we need a new chief executive. Oh, that guy that's worked here for years. Get him in. Get, get Gordon Strachan in. Get Gordon Strachan in to do a review. Get Gordon Strachan's son in to be a coach. It's like. It was so well in the 90s, this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. These continuity ideas. So it's like a, a complete addiction to continuity, but unfortunately for the people that run Celtic, the fans are getting a bit tired of the continuity because what continuity is, is, yay, Champions League, yay, we won the treble, smashed. Yay, we won the treble again, Champions League, <laughs> smashed. And the club have got the audacity to say, back where we belong, we don't belong in the Champions League. Now, you can remedy that, but this Celtic don't belong in the Champions League just now. And Aye. 
for, for four minnows that are only there to get absolutely spanked on the way to someone yeah. else accumulating points so they can finish top of the group or second in the group and, and we're oh, basically the, if, if this was international football the results against Celtic wouldn't count we'd be like the Faroe Isles yes. or San Marino or something and like that I don't mean by stature I just mean the way the yeah, tournament's yeah, played out I mean, and yeah. I want to recognise as well that uh-huh Portfolio teams in the Champions League are, are getting smashed left, right, and centre at the moment. Yeah, that's give, what I mean. Give yeah. or take. <laughs> Secondly, I know the Champions League is changing format next season, and hopefully that will be for the better. I think the fact that the gulf between the 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 A and B teams or the one and two teams and the three and four teams is massive. But just a Celtic as a club can't continue to do this. You need to come up with another plan. You need to come up with right. What do we need to do to finish third and drop in? You can't just be the whipping boys of Europe and collect the money, come back home with all the money, spend some of it, dominate Rangers, go into Europe, be the whipping boy again. It can't go on. Well, in a phrase that's cropped up a number of times uh, in this podcast alone, we're a duck out of water. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I mean is I don't want to go through that that kind of baby out with the bath water mm. t- method that we, that we sometimes fall into after a particularly crushing defeat. Right, I don't want to do that because the... The, the Champions League has been okay this season so far. We haven't... We, we're out with two games left. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so before we got to Atletico, we were talking about how we've not looked at a place in any of these games. Mm. We're just a wee bit of luck. Things go our way, but that's every year. Uh, What's yes. different? It's, it's the same hard luck stories every single year. We did the exact same last year. You know, we talked about how, yeah, Brendan Rodgers might have a... a, a more adaptable style to the Champions League but the end result was the same my expectations or my demands maybe even coming into this group were so low that Celtic have still failed mm. to clear it they've still bashed their head off that, the bar and just fell over I asked for a win that's all I wanted I wanted to win a game in the Champions League and yeah there's still two games to go but if it comes at home to Feyenoord and, and it, it, what is essentially a dead rubber at the end of the group yes that will have satisfied that very meagre mm. expectation that I set but it won't have proven anything because it was in a, a meaningless game that there's wins and there's wins and that we should have beaten Lazio but I, as a result of this hamster wheel that we're on qualify get money don't invest it qualify mm. get money Every year, every year the exact same. Well, not but, every but year. It's, but it's, all, it's all changed as well because it's ah, it's hard to get players when you're not in the yeah. Champions League. We've got qualifiers and we can't get deals over the line last minute. All of that was just taken apart when Ange came in was that we got deals done, we were doing things right and now that we're in the Champions League guaranteed, you think, right, we'll go out and spend money because we can say to players, look, you'll win trophies here, you'll play in the Champions League. None of it's came to fruition, has hmm. it? Even just leaving the transfers aside, right? Because I think there are there are inherent difficulties in trying to build a squad capable of doing something in the Champions League. What what we want to do is to make a mark in some way. And we spoke at the end of last season about how difficult that is to define. Yeah. What does even making a mark in the Champions League mean? Is it win a game like I asked for? Who knows? Because it doesn't look like we're going to do that now. But as a result, we don't seem to be going on anywhere. And where I was going with this hamster wheel analogy is that I, I have now... Because I've been spinning around in that for so long, it's not every year we failed to qualify mm. for it for ages, but I've become completely disillusioned with the competition in itself. Yeah. I, I barely even care anymore. I don't I don't really get particularly excited about it because it's the same every single time. Yeah, you you see the the draw and you identify where well, we can pick up points here, we get the whole a wee home win there, a draw against a big giant. But it's it's the same every single time. And I'm kind of failing to see what the what the appeal of it is now. I'm only speaking for myself. I'm I'm just talking as a fan who watches this absolute gubbin and wonder where we're going. It's it's now got to the point where it, it, 
is it worth even qualifying for the Champions well, League but, anymore? But no, I know like that we will. Yeah, doomed yes. to keep repeating this. I, I know that the, the argument against this is always, yes, but there's more money in there, so you get the money and then... The, then you, what? You can, yeah, so you can outspend your rivals. We don't do it right. That's proven time and time again. I don't want to hear about the money because we're all moaning about the £70 million in the bank, so I don't want to hear about how you get to spend it on players because that categorically doesn't happen, mm. quite demonstrably doesn't happen, right? So we, we qualify for the Champions League and then this happens and then nothing happens. We go into the Champions League, take a turn, we'll reset. Under Ange, we were like, right, we're building towards something, then an opportunity comes up for him, he leaves, but we've got a great squad to build upon, we've got a great manager in there. Just build on that and we'll do better than last mm. year and it hasn't happened. And it's so, a two-year cycle thing as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because how do, you, how do you build when you're selling players every two years? All your, your best players, they go. And even at that, what's the end goal? Like, yeah. where, where are we going? So is the best case scenario that we manage to win a couple of games and get to the promised land of the last 16 before getting gubbed off somebody who's topped their group in, in a, a, a rival group? We finish second by some miracle. We get gubbed there. And then we talk about how well, but we qualified for the last 16. The last 16 is a, is a great achievement in context, as a Scottish team who probably are going to be pop four all the time, right? But it's not, it's not, it's no sexy. It's not particularly exciting. People would take that though. People would take the. Aye, you, they what, would, you would but, take the last sixteen. I mean, but I wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't care about qualifying for the last sixteen. I would rather be in the Europa well, League and well, actually on. achieve I'm something. I'm going to challenge you on that, right? Yeah. You say you don't care about qualifying in the yeah. Champions League, right? There's six games in a Champions League group, isn't there? That's yeah. how many you play. So say we win three of those. And go into the. You're going to enjoy that journey. You're yeah. going to enjoy watching us win three games. So I know what you're saying. Ultimately, big picture qualifying doesn't get you in, but to get there, you're going to you're going to maybe have to win away for a Europe. Something yeah, they're yeah. done for you. Probably have to go and get two wins at home. You think, oh, thank this is this is more like it. But that's and, that's that's the ultimate ceiling, right? We are yeah. talking about best case scenario here, and we kind of get near that. So, but that, so that's, that's the end so goal. far away, though. Yeah, what yeah. you're saying, best case scenario is the last sixteen. I. We're not even winning one game. No, that, that's, so, that's what I mean. So I'm talking about, even if I was to say, right, I'm I'm being hysterical here. Here's what's on the table for us. Here's the here's the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow here. We can qualify for the last 16, but that's absolutely miles away. Yeah. We're, we're, we're miles off that. That's the absolute best case scenario. We're just spoken, again, it sticks in my throat, but we've just spoken about Rangers qualifying, getting to two finals in 15 years. I, I'd rather do that. I would rather be yes, in the Europa League 100%. and actually achieve something. And this, the, the Champions League now feels, again, I'm only speaking for myself, and I know it comes across as very defeatist, maybe a little bit broken after a bad result, but I, I just I just don't get it anymore. I don't, I think, I don't get what the, what, the, what the draw is, what the appeal. I think part of the issue is that we're so close. See if, see if we were completely off it, then we wouldn't even be having these co uh, competitions. I was going to say, we're not, we're, we wouldn't even have these conversations. Yeah. But it's the fact that this season... We saw last season that the team were like getting built up. Then we thought, okay, this season, this is going to be it. And then the team kind of gets stripped. The signings fail. The transfer windows are could the transfer window just now is easy to call a flop. But I have said on another podcast, and it's worth repeating that we might look back at this transfer window and go, by the way, that was some really clever business. You know, in two years we've got Yang and he's come through and home. It's unlikely, yes. right? But what I'm saying is these guys might become good players in the future for us as. I think I might have someone asked that question on a phone in podcast. The problem we've got now is that the players we're left with the likes of David Turnbull, James Forrest, Stephen Welsh, to a greater or lesser extent, Greg Taylor, they're just no good enough to get us where we want to be. The problem is we look as if we're being really close. And it, like tough shit, Celtic. You've you we're a Champions League team and Celtic are a team that are used to winning things, and you don't just get to go into tournaments looking 
like underprepared and underfunded. That's just not acceptable for Celtic fans. And I think you had a free run at this from what? When was it obvious Celtic were winning this league? Last year? Yeah. At the start of this year, even easy. Celtic were, what, nine points clear going at this? You'd an easy run at it. You get players in early and look, oh, the manager left. That's fine. But the new managers come in and says, I don't sign the players. So it's your job to get him yeah. the good players then. And they're simply not doing it. Celtic are acting as if they're the only club hindered by transfers right now. Oh, it's difficult for us and we need to do this, we need to do that. Every other club manages to go out and do it. Every other club, if you are Celtic, you you fall down on your transfers every season. That That is the biggest thing that Celtic have to get right is the recruitment. And it's the main thing they get wrong every single season. There are, there's, there's tiers of clubs. Just to wrap this up, I think there's tiers of clubs and we could, I might get it first time, but we can maybe brainstorm a wee bit. There's tiers of clubs in the Champions League. There's the turbo elites who are in with a chance of winning it, right? The uh, say your PSG, for example, Real Madrid. Then just below them, there's like maybe your English clubs, whatever, Liga uh, clubs, other clubs that are probably going to make the latter stages, right? And as you go down, you go down. The very bottom rung is the likes of, say, for talking sake, your closures, the teams who sneak in, get in the Champions League and have, have just got no prospect of doing anything. They're just happy to be there. As fans, Celtic are a, consider ourselves above that. Yeah. We do not consider ourselves that bottom rung of Champions League club where you're just happy to be there. We want to be we want to be the teams we've seen in the Champions League before. We want to be the surprise package that have that have gubbed us. You know, where did they come from? How are they doing? So we want to be for talking sake. So said Dad this year. That's how Celtic fans view the club. That's the level that Celtic compete at. But it's just the fact that we now look like that bottom rung team yes. that is and so difficult to comprehend as fans. You just look like the team that are just happy to be there. But we've got Brendan Rodgers as manager and we've got Kyogo and we've got Cameron Carter-Vickers. Similar got, turnovers to some of these clubs who actually do right, a And we've better, got one yeah. or two good players but we don't have a lot of great players and then there's all this... Well, I'm, we're not saying everyone needs to clear out and all that but we are at a real where do you want to be and, and you know, the tournament changes next year. Maybe we're, maybe we're a couple of years too late having this because it'll, see next year's tournament will be different. It'll be a different format We'll be playing more similarly like clubs, I believe. It's trying to be a bit fairer. You get eight games, so it's eight yeah. games to get pumped in next year. <laughs> well, that's and that's it. the way you feel right now, doesn't well, it? We get money, though. Yeah. Well, well, that's money. it. We get the money. But what I'm saying is, it will take. So we might look as if we're doing better than we actually are next year. So there'll be an adjustment period. But I think, aye. The question is, where do you want to go, Celtic? A final thing on what you've said there about the perception of the fans. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's valid. I think that's pertinent here. Because I think that's what's led to this massive adrenaline dump after this game now again we we spoke about this on our reaction to the game and and subsequent podcasts we did a, a phone in with, with listener questions patron questions and i'd said that I, I can't speak for the fan base i would never dare to do that but just the people who i interact with they've been a, a, a huge sway of like see the comments Stephen doesn't speak for me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah completely ignoring that that caveat yeah. there yeah, there's just people i interact with on a, on a regular basis they're just like oh, we, what is this all about? What, what are we doing now? Mm. And it is that perception. We, we do. You're right. Celtic fans do see ourselves as a sleeping giant, and all it's going to take is a little bit of good decision making, a little bit of investment, and we can be back in there. And after that result, I think everyone just went off. Oh, no, no, this is where we are now. This is what we are. This is year after year after year of this sort of feeling like you've 
just on the brink of uh, achieving something and then a complete outright doing it and then you're out after four is, days. Is that why it's so annoying, but is because it's not impossible. Yeah. It's yeah. very difficult. The whole point, yeah. But we're looking at it last year, you're like, ah, do you know what? First, first go at it, we're building towards something, a couple of good players in and we can do it this season. We're looking at it, see if we had two or three good players in all these matches and then the Atletico Madrid game, you're like, ah, we don't want it. The board don't want that. Mm. They don't want that. They don't want to push us on to be something. They just want to be that club that gets in there, takes the money and goes on. What's it all for? So there's a lot of clubs that are just happy to be a few steps ahead of Rangers. Yeah. Collect the Champions League money, rinse and repeat. Listen, thank you so much for watching and listening. Support us on patreon.com slash 20 minute Tim's or alternatively, if you just want to support us on YouTube, click subscribe. Thanks for watching and listening. 